I hear from someone in this church uh, of something that God has spoken to them about through the scripture reading or through the preaching or something else through their prayer time or something. But pay attention to what God is saying through scripture. It's God's living word to us. And I'm really delighted that the, the teenagers, where are they? Where are the little minxes? Are they in? Yes, there you are. You were going to go upstairs, but I had something in this message for you guys as well, as well as everybody else. And I'm asking you especially to pay attention to the word that God has for you as well. Okay? Uh, and that goes for everyone else as well. You're not off the hook. All right? So we've just dived in, really, into a, a chunk of uh, um, the, the book of Acts. And Acts 13 is Paul's first missionary journey. And um, he takes a little trek via Cyprus and ends up in the middle of what is modern-day Turkey. So the year now when this was happening was about 46 to 48 AD. Paul is a couple of years younger than I am now. He's almost 50. Isn't that a funny thought? <laughs> Chapter 13 verse 2 says, While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Saul and Barnabas for the work that I have called them. While they were worshipping and fasting of the Holy Spirit spoke. So as we enter this new season, this school year, this new season of autumn, oh, I mean, I love the seasons really, but it's kind of grim, isn't it? When you have seasonally affected disorder and you need the bright light and the warmth of the sun. Do we get an amen to that? Yeah, you all know what I mean. With the nation in economic turmoil and the energy crisis that we haven't seen the likes of for almost 50 years, we remember and we must remember that God is always going about his work. Always. Let me rephrase that. God is not waiting for the headlines to get better, church. He's not waiting. He's in the business of redeeming and rescuing the chaos in which we find ourselves. God is always about his work. He isn't waiting for things or us to get better or right. And Saul doesn't even know his name Paul yet. But God is at work now. He's calling people now. He's calling you now, teenagers. Do you remember any Bob Dylan fans here? I thought you were, Tim. Nice with a couple of others. The times, they are a-changing. The classic, right? Uh, the times, they are a-changing. That's always true. Even in strange, turmoil times that we find ourselves in now. But God is the one constant through all of this. The one who doesn't change is in the times they are a-changing. So, as in the first century AD, in the heart of the Roman Empire, in the heart of a world that is often in turmoil, God is in the business of sending out missionaries to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, the news of news, the news that is often so familiar to us, and I pray, church, guard against domesticating the gospel. Put the teeth back into the gospel. Put the muscle back on the bone. Put the teeth back in the mouth of the gospel. And God speaks, set them apart 
for the work to which I have called. Now we had a prayer day yesterday at church, nine, uh, well not at church, in our homes, but from nine till nine we had a prayer day and, and many of you were involved in this. It's really important that we hear from each other what God said during this time. So make sure that we feed back what we, even if, if we didn't feel that God said anything, even what we read, what we prayed, share it back so that we can discern through this the voice of God. But I wonder how many people heard God saying, set them apart for the work I've called them. How many people did God set apart yesterday for the work that God has called us to? Interesting, isn't it? How many? Because it was while the church was worshipping, firstly, and fasting, secondly, and into that the Holy Spirit speaks. It's a beautiful thing. God is not our lapdog. He's not our whipping boy. He's not at our beck and call. But when the church is the church, we find that we have a God who is God to us. And that's good news. So when the church does what the church is, worshipping, breaking bread, proclaiming the scriptures, hearing God through all of this, then God will always speak with a divine clarity. Who needs to hear God for something going on in their life right now? Right, everyone dismiss except for those that put their hands up. Thank you. We all need to hear God in this, right? For everything. To have the foundations of the prison walls that we've surrounded ourselves with shaken to the core, the shackles broken, whatever is holding us, to the wall of our dungeon. It's often a dungeon of our own making. But we need to hear God's voice come to us like a mighty river, like a, a purifying fire like a small whisper or the roar of a lion. We need to hear God. You might say, but Richard, Richard, the times, they are changing. Look at my body, have you seen it lately? I'm not up to much these days. Well, I would say, don't worry about that. Because guess what? God is making you a new body, amen? Do we need new bodies? Oh, we do. And uh, I could hear the creaking and groaning this morning as we all came to church. <laughs> About halfway through the sermon that Paul is preaching, in verse 36 is the point of what I want to say. Girls, pay attention. Are they awake? <laughs> Listen to this. For when David had served the purpose of God in his generation, he died and was laid in his arms. When David had served the purpose of God in his generation, not in someone else's generation, his generation. Girls, you don't serve their generation. They, these gorgeous people here, they serve their generation in the purpose of God and I pray that that's the case. You must find your purpose in God for your generation. Because you know how your generation tick, talk, don't you? 
I just made that up on the spot. That wasn't even in my notes. Notice, though, it's not serving the purposes of God. Singular. The singular determination. When David had served the purpose of God. What is the purpose of God? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on heaven. In heaven as on earth. No, on earth as in heaven. One singular focus. The will and the purposes of God in this our generation. It's our job to work this out. Single-minded devotion to the will of God. And this is what the word purpose means in Greek. It's boule. Sounds like something you have for pudding at a dinner party, doesn't it? Creme boule. But it means purposely arranging all physical circumstances which guarantees every scene of life works to God's eternal purposes. That's a challenge? Everything? Why not everything? You can't be partially holy, can you? You can't be partially totally committed to God, can you? The level, it goes on this definition, the, this level of God's plan demonstrates that he is the Lord of history. In other words, he's always in charge. Single-minded determination to follow the plan and the purposes of God in this our generation. Come hell or high water, come coronavirus or war in Europe. Whatever the situation, church, God is in charge. Working out, as it says in scripture, his wonders to perform. Right? His wonders to perform in the salvation of men and women and even youngsters. Joy said just a couple of weeks ago that she gave her life to Christ. Isn't that right, Joy? We'll possibly be hearing about that, won't we, one day as church when you have the courage to come up and share with us. But God is at work rescuing, saving, redeeming, sanctifying for us. Why? So that we can hold it for ourselves? <sighs> what a boring place that would be. But to go, I have set apart Saul and Barnabas, and now I'm sending them. It's not to keep it like the manna in the wilderness as the Israelites did. That just turns rotten. It betrays a trust in God that was never there to provide, to be faithful, to show who he is. But God is at work. And this level of purpose as David served is rare in our day. Single-minded commitment to what God wants in the world. Because there's, all, there's already too much self-serving in the world, too many ulterior motives, too much self-righteousness, too much virtue signaling in the world. Because we might say, well, what about money and earning? I've got to earn, haven't I? Do you not know there's a financial crisis, Richard? No, because I live on a cloud somewhere because I'm ordained. I'm not in the real world, remember? Hmm? Some of you have thought that. What about my health? <laughs> God called me four years. In fact, God called me in the year that I got diagnosed with Crohn's disease. 
It's like God is saying, so what? What excuse are you going to make now? I've heard it all from Moses, but God, I can't speak properly. I stutter. God, why me? I can't do this. I can't, can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. God, I can't go to Egypt four years after 9-11 with Crohn's disease, with my family, me, kidding me. <laughs> and God just said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, Richard, now go. When he calls, he equips every time. Single-minded commitment to what God wants in the world. And this room has those people here amongst us. They're amongst us. Those that are single-minded in their commitment to the purposes of God. <coughs> what about the good life that we always want? Church. The domestication of the gospel is the greatest peril to the gospel. The good life is Christ. Christ is your life, Colossians 3. Christ is your life. Praise God. Colossians 3 verse 4. We don't worry about these things because we have God every step of the way. That's why Colossians 3 4 says Christ is your life. That's everything. And anything not subordinated to Christ is idolatry. Anything that doesn't come under his rule and his reign is idolatry. And we don't want idolatry. That's not a good thing. That never ends well. And it is, it's, it's like a surgical knife in scripture that God is cutting out the idolatry amongst us. Because it is so toxic. Now, for all of you beautiful silver tops out there, by the way, silver tops is a term of affection, alright? And if you should have silver hair, don't, I'm referring to you as well. I want you to take your lives in reflective prayer to God this week, right? Because there's a lot of guilt here. The things that were done, things that were not done. But take it all to God in prayer. All of your failures, all of your weaknesses, even all of your cowardly acts, when you act, when you should have acted but didn't, when you should have spoken but didn't. And we're all responsible for that, right? All our indifference, all our nasty, snarling, weasley ways, God, take it all. Why? So that he can sanctify you, Silvertops, to pray for the teenagers that they may serve the purpose of God in this, their generation. Because when they're where you are now, you won't be here. This world will be completely different and they need to be lion-hearted to get through what's coming. I guarantee that. You need to be praying for them, church. Offer him your whole life again and you will find a good God. A good God. Younger people that are here, especially those leaving school or going to college or university, I'm asking you now, will you serve the purpose of God in your generation? What else are you going to do? 
Seriously, it's a good question. Nothing beats that. What will it take for you to accept this call with all humble simplicity? Because if you seek first the kingdom of God, everything else will be yours, everything. So the question is, what are you setting your life up to seek? What do you want your life to be? For those that are at the top end of life, what has your life been about? It's a hard question to face, but remember, we bring this to a good God. Who redeems and forgives and sanctifies and calls us again. Never ever letting up. That's why I want to commend, I've just caught um, Tracy. Tracy, I want to commend you. Because when we set up the prayer thing, you said, why is it not 24 hours, Richard? Amen. Amen, see? That's the kind of fight and fire that we need. We still had two gaps on the prayer day yesterday, it's a shame, but, but Tracy saying that was, was phenomenal for me. Shows the heart. It shows that you have the priorities to replace. That the ordered purpose of God for seeking his will is right in your life. At least in that regard, as far as that goes, right? And you'll be the first one in that. But what are you setting your life up to seek? Don't be fooled. Because I'll tell you what's lurking around the corner, every corner of your life. Wealth, power, pleasure, honour. Those four things. And in all of their distorted, simple ways, they're waiting to pounce. Genesis 4 tells us. Sin is crouching at the door, waiting to pounce. Wealth will get you, power will get you, um, honour will get you, pleasure will get you. Will you seek them by the back door of the devil's dysfunction? Or will you uh, seek them through the front door of God's glory? Because we need heroines of faith today. Nothing less. Heroines and heroes of the faith today. That means to organise your life so that it serves your longing for God. That's key. Do you long for God? Oh, church, I hope so. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. And then Psalm 63. I thirst for you, God, as though I'm in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I thirst for the living God. Will you organise your life so that it serves your longing for God? Will you be counted among them? Silvertops, I like saying that. Will you worship and fast and pray and listen out to God for them? Youngsters, yes, will you be ready and willing to be set apart for what God has to do? <coughs> I had a conversation with a fellow minister in Scotland a few weeks ago and he told me about candidate for a church that was being interviewed and we're coming up to our closing date for our vacancies as well so it was personal we were talking about it. He was asked in the interview 
What will you provide for young people? <laughs> the interview panel asked. It sounds like a reasonable question, right? What will you provide for the young people? But this man was not going to be fooled by that question. He said, provide for them nothing. Ask of them everything. You see the subtle shift in focus. We're not providing anything. We're demanding and asking everything of you. For a life of holiness and sanctified service to God. Nothing else will satisfy So everything, because that's God's way. Many are called, but few are chosen. That means that too many Christians do indeed live their lives, shaping God around their lives, or whatever is important to them, whatever is the highest priority to them, God is one of the objects fitted around that, instead of being the purpose. God shaping our lives. Because too many of us, are about our mother's doilies and dishes. Remember that phrase that Gandalf said to Frodo? Frodo, why would you want to be about your mother's doilies and dishes when the adventure to Mordor and danger and threat is just waiting for you? That's the Christian life. John Stott said, we should not ask what is wrong with the world, for that diagnosis has already been given. Rather, we should ask, what has happened to the salt and light? Church, we'll be having another prayer day soon. <laughs> soon and very soon, we will. We need to. What has happened to the salt and light? This is a truth that hurts us all. I saw so many heads nodding there. But for those who are waking up to what God is doing in the world and to what is happening in the world. Because the world is in a dark place and it's getting darker. These are very weird times. But the call of God, remember this, the call of God will never take you where the grace of God will not keep you. Whatever God calls you into, God gives you grace. That's what he said to me. Shut up, Richard. My grace is sufficient for you. Now go. And that changed everything. Changed everything. Praise God. So church, what is greater than the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is there anything? Is there anything? No, it's a ridiculous question. Therefore, order your life around the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. Ta-da! Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else that you to do. Everything. Glory to God. Therefore, order your life around that central truth. Jesus did not say, follow me a little bit when you feel like it. That would be like me saying to Rachel on our wedding day, <laughs> I promise to be faithful 80% of the time. <laughs> Alright then, you pushed me too far, 90%. How's that? 
No, 100% we follow Christ. All in. All or nothing. All or nothing. As we come to prepare for communion now, Christ was broken so that we wouldn't have to be broken. His blood was spilled so that ours wouldn't have to be spilled. You can't partially eat the bread. You eat it. You consume it so that you are not consumed. No, the gospel of Jesus Christ, crucified, buried, raised, ascended and coming back, is the greatest news in the world. And the world thinks that it is too powerful for the church with its message of the gospel. The world thinks we are too weak. We are. We're just clay jars, broken, cracked pots. But what's in us, church? We have this treasure in clay jars, Paul says in 2 Corinthians. This treasure, right? We have a mighty gospel to proclaim that can take in all of the sin of the world and transform it for God's glory. One very wealthy convert to Christianity, Emil Ledger, when leaving his Montreal mansion to go and live in a leper colony in Africa said, the time for talking is over. Now I know I run a great risk by saying that at this point in the sermon. I know that. But the point is, he put his money where his mouth is, girls. He ordered his life around the one purpose. And I no doubt that the end of this story doesn't end well. He probably caught leprosy and died himself. But this is what God does, he calls us. For Paul and Barnabas, the time for talking was over. They were sent. Here and now, the time for talking is over. What will you make your life about? And if you're tempted to say, but I'm at the top end, Richard, I don't have long left. What will you make the rest of it about? What will you make the rest of it about? Will you serve the purpose of God in this, your journey? I'm going to use a Wesley prayer to finish. Pray with me, church. I am no longer my own yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whoever you will. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you, or laid aside for you. Exalted for you, or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. And now, O oh Father, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And this prayer I am making on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. All glory to Jesus Christ.